we get to that, you can just pretend that you have a candle or hold up your cell phone or whatever you want to do. That'll work. Um, We don't need to make things complicated. Have you ever noticed that uh, we as humans have a way of making things more complicated than they need to be? Uh, Those of you who know me know that I really love to get a new piece of Ikea furniture. (laughs) Because I love building it. And you know, I tell people, it's really simple. I mean, it's like the most basic pictorial instructions that are good in all of those languages and all those places Ikea sells its furniture. Yet, so many people say, ah, I can't build it. It's too hard because they're making it too complicated, right? And I think the same is true with Christmas and the story of Christmas. It's really, really simple. It's such a simple story, but we complicate it. There it is. Here's a nice picture of the Christmas story. Or is it? I think this is a complication of the story. See, look at this picture. You got these these wise men who showed up. They actually weren't there. Um, You've got uh, you know a a ray of light coming through some chink in the roof. Um, I think in the background there, there's some animals that are bowing down and worship. Um, you know, I, there's camels in the background too. I don't know. It's really complicated. Um, and yet the story is really simple. And see, as we as humans have a need to complicate things, a lot of times we'll take things that are really simple like this and make them complicated. And so to take us back, I'm going to read for you from Luke chapter 2, the basic story, the simple story of the birth of Jesus. It says this, it says, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. 
When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told to them. And that's it. That's the story we have. It's simple. There's no halos. There's no kings. There's no worshiping animals or camels in the background. It's really simple. The creator of the world began his greatest invention into humanity. And he started it right here in this simple way. And so what are some things that if, if we were going to write the story as humans and we wanted to make it more complicated because it's so simple, what are some things that are absent from this story that we would add? Well, first, there was no temporal power. There was no earthly power involved in this story. It was only God's eternal power, right? There was no king. There was no king in the picture. There was no government. There were no politicians. There were no agencies. They didn't have to get any permits to have this, have this birth. They didn't have to get any approvals from anyone. There was nobody wearing a three-piece suit. There was nobody who was on the who's who list. There were no power brokers. Instead, there were just some shepherds. There were just some guys who were really on the margins of that society. It was simply the birth of a child. And there was no earthly power there. Second thing there was nothing of, there was no pomp. What is pomp? I was trying to think of what's a good use of pomp, and all I could think of was graduation ceremonies, that song, Pomp and Circumstance, right? I'm going to make you, you're going to be humming it in your head, right? Well, pomp is just ceremony or display. That's how it's defined. And as humans, don't we just start everything and end everything with ceremony? Right? You've got the Olympics. Anytime you've got a grand opening of something. Again, graduation. Da, 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 da. Right? But in Bethlehem, there was no grand ceremony. There were no press conferences. There was no opening speech. There was no keynote speaker. There was no countdown to a dropping ball. There was no pomp there. In addition, there was no wealth. Joseph was a carpenter. Mary was a teenager. They took a donkey on a 70-mile journey. They stayed in a barn. And that barn was just a handout, right? Because there was no room. And there was no wealth there because we can surmise that they probably had no money because if they did have money, they wouldn't have been staying in a barn. So Jesus was born, and there was no medical care. There was no pain medication. There was no health insurance premiums or deductibles or co-pays. There were no new infant outfits from the gap. There was no car seats required to leave this barn. There were no celebratory cigars or foil balloons saying, Congratulations, it's a boy. Can you imagine a less expensive setting for somebody to be born than this? I can't. And you go, oh, wait, 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 but the, mag- the Magi, they-, they came later, we three kings. Well, yeah, it was later. They were there, but they were not there for his birth. 
And when they came, they were interested in worship. They weren't interested in wealth. And so here it was, in a situation of utter poverty, Jesus was born in this epitome of poverty and the utter absence of wealth. There was also no superstition. That's something we like to add as humans to our stories. There was no mysticism here. There was no halo over the child or the mother's head. There was no beam of light. The angels didn't say, go look for the baby with the halo. They said, look for a baby in a manger. They didn't say, look for a holy baby or a divine baby. This was just simply a straightforward event. There was a child born of a woman, just like every other person in the world. There was nothing special about that. There was also no philosophy. Think back to Sunday school. Some of you youngsters still go to Sunday school on Sundays. Think back to that. What is one story you learned every year, if you were like me? It's this story, right? Now, was that because it was seasonal? Well, maybe. But I think the reason we learned it was because it's simple enough for a child to understand this story. There was no philosophy. There's no philosophical debate there in Bethlehem. There was no arguments over dispensation or substantiation or transubstantiation, whatever that is, premillennialism or postmillennialism. The Bible says the word became flesh. Right there, it was absolutely straightforward. There was no philosophy. It was very simple. And so ultimately, this whole story was simple. It didn't have the complications that we add to it as people. And some might argue, well, doesn't that simplicity just make it common? Couldn't it be repeated? Why was this one birth so special? And the answer is yes, the birth story itself is simple. Yet one thing that sets this birth apart from others is the fact that it fulfilled prophecy. See, this specific birth was foretold centuries earlier. I looked it up. I knew there was a lot. I don't know, maybe you knew this statistic. That Jesus' life fulfilled over 350 prophecies that were made about him hundreds of years earlier. And so tonight I'm going to go through all 350 of those. Minus 348. We'll go through just two of those really briefly here. First prophecy was found in the book of Isaiah. This was written sometime in the 7th century BC. He said, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And this was fulfilled, as recorded in Matthew 1.20. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Jesus would be born of a virgin, and they knew that. It was stated in the 7th century BC. Another one from about the same time, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrateth, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. This was very clearly, and everybody knew it, a prophecy about the Messiah, about the one who would come to save the world. 
And it was fulfilled, as it was written about right there in our story also in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod. A tiny, tiny town. And it was prophesied some 700 years before. And so the list goes on. And there's more and more prophecies. And I won't go into them. And so picture it this way. We have a simple story. It's very simple. But it was foretold centuries earlier. And that makes something that is common, uncommon. But there's something more, more important, more exciting to me when I think about this story than just something common becoming uncommon is that this Christmas story is like a miniature of God's big story of redemption, the gospel. See, just like Jesus' birth, the good news is simple. And I'm going to go through it with you here, what the good news is, to show you that it is simple. First off, it's a recognition that I am sinful. And you recognize that my sin is so great, it separates me from the creator of the universe. Realize that because it separates me from the creator, I have that sin and I'm unable to bridge this gap on my own. The fourth thing is that the creator has reached out to me because I can't do it on my own. He's reached out to me. And he did this through his only son, Jesus Christ, who we see born here in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ, he lived the perfect life. He took my punishment through his death, living in perfection, and then he rose from the dead. And my role is simply this, to receive this free gift. That's it. What does that mean? It means to repent, which means to change my mind about Jesus, to change my mind about who I am and about my sin. It means that I believe that he's done this, And then it means that I confess this and express this to God. That's it. It's simple. And like the Christmas story, this good news, the simple good news in the life of Jesus was also foretold. And in that way, that story is just a miniature picture of this great big story. And yet we love to add things to these stories. We love to add things to the gospel as humans. We add things like... The worship of people besides saints, besides Jesus. Saints or teachers or, or good people. Um, we also like to think that this isn't a free gift. We like to think that maybe this is a wage that we can earn by living a good life or having good deeds or right living. But at the end, those are just complications that we add. The same as we add complications to the Christmas story We have to remember that the gospel is as simple as this. Forgiveness is a free gift through Jesus, born so simply. Now some of you have probably heard this amazing story of forgiveness before. And maybe some of you um, have even fought against this, or even now are fighting against this. And you find yourself here on Christmas Eve 2014 in church. And um, you're here for whatever reason, and I'm glad you're here Um, But maybe as you look at your life, you realize that you you have some add-ons to this good news. Or you have some excuses that keep you from receiving this. But I want to assure you I've looked high and low, and others have as well. And this is the only way. This is the only way to have a right relationship with Jesus, with God, 
the creator of the universe, to bridge that gap that sin creates in us. And so tonight, maybe this is the place where you can repent, where you can believe, where you can confess it to God. And to confess it is to just simply pray it in your heart. So if everyone would would bow your heads and and close your eyes, I'm going to pray to close this short message. And maybe if you've been struggling with that, There's a little prayer here you can look up on the screen if you want to pray it. It's just a simple prayer. And you can just say in your heart, God, I accept that you sent Jesus to earth to die in my place, to take the punishment of death that is due me for my sin. I receive the free gift of forgiveness that you offer through him. And I further make Jesus my Lord And I will seek to obey you from this day forward out of love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So to close, we have this illustration of candles, or candle as the case may be. You saw me light this candle a few minutes ago, and it really represents this promise of Jesus, this good news, the amazing story of forgiveness that was foretold by the prophets. And see, it's simple. This candle, just like a spark, is very simple. It's a small flame in the midst of darkness. I can even make it darker. But see, this flame, the flame of the good news, it went into the world and it lit the world and it continues to light the world. And so we pass this around and as we pass it around the band is hopefully going to come back up without tripping on anything. And in the same way as we pass the flame, the good news has passed itself from generation to generation across the earth. And it becomes the light of the world. And sometimes it goes out, I guess.
you for the simplicity of of the Christmas story, God, the simplicity of, of the gospel. We just uh, pray we'd, we'd understand it, God, that we thank you for, for sending your son to this world to, to meet us, to, to come into this world, God, and just thank you for, for the implications of that, God, that we can have uh, eternal life through Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, thanks everyone for, for coming to the firehouse tonight. It's been awesome being with you. Uh, join us again uh, Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Uh, Merry Christmas.